You know, today we're continuing the series is, um, in our um, Sermon on the Mount. I didn't do a PowerPoint, so um, so bear with me. So this week we're looking at blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. You know, I can remember um, painting the outside of our house in New Zealand before we came back to Australia and to sell it. And I came across a part of the timber in the, um, what do you call those boards that come together, fascia boards on the outside of the house, is that what they call it? I'm not a builder, but I came across that and I came across some wood rot in amongst that. And so the easy way was to grab some putty and just fill in the holes and to paint over it. But actually, um, I knew that would not fix it and um, because I didn't get rid of the actual problem, the rot in the timber. And I knew to take the timber off was going to be major work. So what I did was wait for my dad, who is a cabinet maker and a builder, to come across, and he fixed it for me. But um, I knew I could not fix it by just whacking putty over it. Nothing can fix wood rot by just filling up the gap and just sanding over it. And, you know, as we go through this series, in the Sermon on the Mount, there is so much that Jesus is actually addressing our hearts. It wasn't the externals that he was addressing, it was the internal, because out of the internal comes the external. So Jesus in this sixth beatitude says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. In these beatitudes, like I said, Jesus was turning things from the external because the Pharisees, the religious leaders, were focusing very heavily on the externals. And Jesus comes and twists this on its head and he focuses on the internal. You know, the external stuff of religion must have been so burdensome. The weight would have been incredible. And then Jesus comes along and says, says Come follow me, all who are weary and burdened. Why were they burdened? With the, with the expectation of living up to the externals of religion. And Jesus says, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. For I am gentle. And I love these words. This week, these words just hit me incredible. And, and so Jesus says, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Those words, humble in heart. People, we have a saviour who is humble in heart. Isn't that amazing? That we can actually approach Jesus. He is not arrogant. He is not prideful. He is actually humble in heart. And to me, those few words, as I read that, stood out like a lightning bolt this week as I looked at that. See, to keep up the mask of religion and to be seen doing the right things externally was such a heavy burden for people to carry. Jesus says, I come along and I look into your heart. To the heart, it's the most important thing to Jesus above everything else. What Jesus is saying is the heart actually tells him 
everything about us. It actually tells him our motivations, our anxieties, our thoughts. Everything comes out of the heart. If you like, the heart is the epicenter of our being. It's the very central thing, the deepest thing of who we are. See, often in life, our goal is to make sure that no one sees the stuff that we paint over. Because we are scared that people may not like what they see if they see the real you and I. You know, going on in this whole inner and the heart, an example is found later on in the Sermon on the Mount itself. In verse 21 of chapter 5 in Matthew, it says this, You have heard it said to people long ago, You shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, anyone who is hungry, angry, sorry, not hungry, (laughs) but I tell you, anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. See, Jesus looks way below to the deepest motivation to our heart. And so if you're murder, he's looking at the motivation behind that, which is anger. See, he can see right through us. He can see what motivates us. The law could not fix the heart. It could deal with murder, but it could not deal with the motivation of anger. Jesus is the only one who can change our hearts. Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart. You know, we look at ourselves and we hope that no one sees what is really deep down in our heart. We just hope it doesn't leak out. But God sees the heart and is interested in the deepest things of who we are. You know, Jesus was so concerned with the religious elite of the day. They spent all their time doing the external things of religion. And they were making sure that everyone followed that. They seemed to have it all together. But you know, Jesus even had compassion upon them. But they could not get the concept of the heart and grace. See, those two things have to be a revelation from God. Just as it is for you and I today to follow Jesus. Otherwise, it will become external. If we don't have the revelation of what Jesus did on the cross, of the revelation of that God is a God of love, we will act externally just like the Pharisees did. They struggled with Jesus so much because he would touch and he would be seen having meals with people that they thought were unclean. If you were on the street, if you were poor, if you had a defect, In any way, if you had leprosy, you were seen as unclean. What does Jesus do? He goes to those people and he mixes with them. 
See, Jesus knew it wasn't the external things that make a person unclean. It is the internal things that can actually make us unclean, and that is the heart. See, in Matthew 23, 25, 28, Jesus says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. These are pretty harsh words. Blind Pharisee. First clean the inside of the cup. He's referring to the heart. First clean the inside of the cup and dish. And then the outside will also be clean. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way on the outside, you appear to people as righteous. But in the inside, you are full of wickedness. Jesus was saying this to well-meaning people. They were simply focusing on the wrong thing. They were focusing on the external rituals of religion. But they were not focusing on the internal, the heart. See, when you start focusing on the externals, the morals, you actually start looking at how other people are living their life. And unbeknownst, you start to judge people on how you're living your life. You start comparing. You know, one of the powerful things that Jesus does is that if we truly become in Christ by accepting Christ by faith, we are accepted by Christ and we don't need to compare with the people running in the lanes around us. See, if we do that, and I must admit I've struggled with this, If we do that, we start comparing ourselves with others, wishing that we were like them. But you know what? We've already been accepted in Christ. You know, it's funny. We live in a day and age. If I'm honest, this whole social media thing is actually a bit of a joke. Because nowhere when I look on Facebook or Instagram, does people ever put up pictures of when they're having a bad time in life, do they? You ever notice that? It's always of the best restaurants, the food. It's always of the best experiences, the holidays. It's always of the best experiences in life. No one puts up there when they're having a crap day. I hate to say it, but it's true. And what that does for people is if you look at that, you start comparing, saying, my life isn't like that. Actually, my life is harder than that. And you start to compare. That's the day and age that we're living in. You know, what I've come to realize is this. 
Is all that I'm responsible for really as a follower of Jesus is for my own heart towards God and what God has called me to do, nothing else. See, Jesus is concerned with our hearts as he knows that's the main problem. The heart affects everything that we do. You know, growing up, um, I, I brought a few cars, as you do, you know, when you're, when you're a young fellow. I brought a Kingswood. Kingswood was my first car, the old Kingswood with bench seats. So when you went in the corner, the girls could slide across. So um, the old Kingswood, it was a beauty. I brought it off this retired guy. He looked after it. Beautiful. I looked after it to a certain extent. But um, the second car I bought was a Ford Laser. The third car I bought was a a Mitsubishi Magnum. And, um, oh, my gosh. And, you know, one day I was driving along in this Magnum, and um, it was only after I brought the thing, and all of a sudden it started to, to jerk on the road. I thought, this shouldn't happen like this. You know, what is going on? I've got my foot down, and this thing's going like this. And I thought I was up for big, big bucks. But what had happened was this. When I took it to get serviced, they actually found that there was some dirt in the petrol filter. And it was affecting the running of the car. The whole running of the car was affected by this. They showed me. I thought I was in for big bucks. They said, no, we just replaced this thing. It had dirt in your your petrol filter. I said, you're kidding. It was only a little thing. But it affected the whole running of the car. You know, isn't that like us? The heart is like a filter that everything goes through and it can affect the rest of who we are. Our whole being can be affected by our heart. See, the problem we have that is in Scripture tells us this. The heart is, I think it was Prophet Jeremiah he says the, pro- the heart is deceitful above everything else. So the question I want to ask this morning is, how do we get a changed heart? Because Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. So how do we get a changed heart? You know, in the instructions given to Moses, go right back for constructing the tabernacle. It's furnishing. Purity was very high on the agenda. The gold throughout the tabernacle had to be pure gold. The incense burnt on the altar before the Lord had to be pure incense. All the furnishing had to be pure. Now, if building materials and physical objects used in worship back then had to be pure... Imagine how much more is the importance of the purity of the people who come to worship God. We are not surgeons. We cannot do it by ourselves. We have not got the power to change our hearts ourselves. You know, I think David, when I went to David this week in the Psalms, He gives us incredible clues on how to get a right heart. 
In Psalms, he cries out, Hear my cry, O God, listen to my prayer. From the ends of the earth, I will call out to you. I will call as my heart grows faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Then in Psalm 51, David comes to this. He comes to this point where he says, Have mercy on me, O God. According to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Then he says in first verse 7 of um, Psalm 51, Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. And then this, these words, and if you've been around along, this is a scripture and song that we used to sing. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take me from your Holy Spirit. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. David, the great king of Israel, knew the battle of his heart could only be cleaned through Jesus Christ, through God. See, in the New Testament, we have these promises. If we do confess our sins, he is faithful and just and forgive us our sins And purify, there's the filter, and purify us from unrighteousness. Jesus is the purifier. Jesus is the only one who can purify our hearts. It is through the cross and the work of Jesus that Jesus creates a clean heart within us. God gives us a transplant, a new heart, when we accept him in faith. We are made new and our heart is made pure. The more we fill our hearts with God, our heart is changed. Why? Because God is holy. And God will renew us. Finally, here comes the promise of the pure in heart. All these beatitudes have a mighty promise. And the promise is is this. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. You know, as believers, I thought about this this week. I think this has two main focuses. It has a futuristic one. Because we all know that um, in Revelation it talks about there will be no more pain or suffering when Christ comes again. So it has a futuristic part that we will spend eternity with Christ and there will be no more sin. But secondly, I believe the pure in heart will see God now. 
How do we do that? How do we see God? Through the revelation of who Jesus is. Through the revelation of Jesus. We see that God is all forgiving. God is compassionate. God is all loving. Paul had this revelation of who God was on the road to Damascus. He experienced grace so powerfully. See, Paul was all about the externals before this. But Paul, when he had the revelation through Jesus of who God is, it absolutely changed his life. You know, let me touch on Revelation. You know, Kerry gave me a book to read this week on prayer. And um, this comes out of some of that chapter in the book that she gave me. In Ephesians 1.17, it says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation. In the knowledge of him. See, what we mostly do, and this book uh, argued this point, that actually we either focus on wisdom and we forget revelation, or we focus on revelation and we forget wisdom. But in the text, it actually says the two go hand in hand. Wisdom and revelation. So, you know, revelation is more than simply gaining intellectual knowledge. It is, an it is an understanding originating from the heart or the spirit revealed to us by the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit reveals things to us, the light comes on. It's an amazing, it's supernatural. But I believe that is how we see God through Jesus. Through the, We read Jesus in the scripture. The Spirit then uses that revelation of who Jesus is, is and he shows us God through Jesus Christ. It's a supernatural thing. You know, in the Old Testament, God said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me will live. But through Jesus Christ, we get to see who God is. Not only through Jesus Christ, we've been given the deposit of the Holy Spirit. As followers of Jesus, God's Spirit now resides in each and every one of us. And we get to experience God. Because through the work of Jesus, when we step out in faith and trust Him, the Holy Spirit, God through His Spirit, deposits Him in us and we get to experience God now. It's supernatural. We now have the presence of God living in us, transforming our hearts so we become more like Him. We actually can experience and feel God's presence at work in our own lives as followers of Jesus. 
The more we hunger for God, the more he fills us with his presence. The more we hunger and his glory, like Andrew said a few weeks ago, focus on the glory of God, our hearts become purer and purer and purer. Why? We are filling ourselves with God. And God does the work of purification, not us. You will beat yourself up, beat yourself up if you try to purify yourself. God does it through His Spirit. So I want to close with some very practical experiences with how I have seen God at work. Because if I go by that text, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. As a follower of Jesus, I should expect to see God. Correct? That's the natural logic of this text. So how have I seen God? And these aren't stories from way back. I'm going to use stories from now. Because God is alive and active. Seeing my son baptised a few weeks ago was nothing but a supernatural act of Jesus Christ. Seeing him get up and share his testimony was actually a supernatural work of God. You know, actually, even speaking this morning, I didn't feel like speaking. Something happened at home last night with my son. But you know what? I I just have to keep coming back to God and praying and relying on him. Even when I don't feel right to do it, I've got to trust Jesus. So this morning, this is supernatural. I have not got the power to preach. You know, watching this church for the last seven years go through a very difficult season financially and seeing God's provision year after year? Come on. How does that happen? It's through the power of God, people. Seeing God God raise up 36 youth leaders in a church? Let me tell you this, and I know this is real. That is not normal in most Baptist churches today. That is a move of God. It is a move of God, people. Seeing the men shed, formed out of nothing. Seriously. When this church had been, has been through a very difficult financial season, seeing a men shed, formed out of absolutely nothing, with no money given by the church? How does that happen? Come on, it's supernatural. It has to be. It has to be God. They now have members of 130 members of men from our community in their shed. How does that happen? This thing did not exist when I first came senior pastor. It did not exist. It happens through the supernatural power of God, God's hand at work. Seeing the way God is moving through the Solomon Islands, 
Brian, how does that happen? The supernatural power of God again. People to have two visits from the jolly prime minister of the Solomon Islands come here. Our neighbours thought that we were having a terror attack when the police cars came. People who would ever dream of this stuff. You can't write about it. We're not good enough. We cannot create this stuff. It is the supernatural power of God at work in the church. This this coming year, I was out walking when I was fit. <laughs> and um, I got a text. I've been slack. I'm sorry. But I got a text. We were going to shut down play, the Friday play group that day. We had no leader. I get a text from Judy Dennison, who's sitting here this morning. When I'm out walking early in the morning and I could not believe my phone, Pete, I'm keen to help with a Friday play group. Oh my gosh, we're going to shut that down in a few hours' time. How does that happen? How does that happen? I'm not good enough. How does it happen? It's through the supernatural power of God. Hearing testimonies of people's lives in this church this year, seeing the way that people's lives have been changed, hearing how Cynthia was able to receive healing a few weeks ago, how does that happen? It's the supernatural power of God at work in amongst us. Church, I believe in this series, God is impressing upon us to fill our lives with more of God. And what I believe will happen is that actually you won't, we won't need to force anything in the life of this church. That burden I spoke about where Jesus actually says, my yoke is lighter, is actually true. Absolutely true. We will see the supernatural power of God at work in the life of this church. The more we fill our lives with God, he will do the rest. Let me pray. Father God, I come before you this morning. God, it is only through you that we can receive a pure heart. Lord, we cannot do that. But God, I thank you for the love that God showed through the person of Jesus Christ that entered our world and showed unconditional love to us. And he and he actually went the path and he was willing to die. He loved us so much to put our hearts right with God that actually he sacrificed his own life. And God, to me, that speaks of unconditional love. Lord, for anyone here this morning that has not had the revelation of what Jesus has done for them, may your spirit now fall upon them and give them a picture of Jesus.
God, we want to see more and more and more and more of you in our own lives. God, we want to see God. God, thank you for the way that we can actually see your hand at work in amongst us. We are actually seeing God move. But Lord, I pray that we will hunger and thirst for more of you. Because God, you're an amazing God. Lord, I pray for anyone that is struggling here this morning who cannot see God at work. Lord, um, if anyone is going through a really tough time that is clouded, I want to pray for the revelation from you this morning that you're at work and that you have things in control. Lord, help us to become the people that Jesus preached about in the Beatitudes. Lord, it is through your strength that it is only possible. Thank you, Lord, that Jesus came and presented a different way in this world. Amen.